Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Exodus chapter 33 and reading for our text verses 14 and 15. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Exodus chapter 33 and verses 14 and 15. Moses asks a question in verse 13. He desires a token. He desires that he might know that he had found grace in the sight of the Lord. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. There's a long bound up in this request. He wants to know the Lord's way. He wants to know the Lord himself, and that can only be in the Lord's way. And he wants to find that grace in the sight of the Lord. And the words of our text, the first verse, is the Lord's answer to this desire that Moses had, show me now thy way. And the answer is the promise of his presence. He said, my presence shall go with thee and... I will give thee rest, or I will bring thee to the promised land, I will bring thee to the place of rest, but really rest along the way as well. When Moses hears this, he responds, and he responds in a way that shows how much he valued this. You can almost picture how Urgently he responds in this way. He said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses was the leader, the people of God, Israel. And his response shows how much he valued that promise. I wonder how much we respond when the Lord gives us a promise or whether we read in the word of God some sweet promises that after we have read those promises it immediately rises up this is what we desire and turns into prayer Lord grant me that promise we read in Hebrews 11 of those that saw the promises afar off and they embraced them They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. But the promises of God, we read that they are all, yea and amen, in Christ Jesus. And this is what is to be set before us here in these verses this morning. A promise given and a promise valued, but it is thy presence, the presence of God of God. So I want to look at three main points. Firstly, God's presence. And then secondly, how God is and can be present with his people. And then thirdly, the blessing of the Lord's presence and valuing it. But firstly, the presence, God's presence. Sometimes we might find it a strange thing in the word of God where the Lord is speaking about him being present and not being present. 
And we might say, well, isn't God everywhere? In that sense, he is. In Psalm 139, Psalm of David, David is very, very aware of the Lord's presence everywhere. He says, Thou knowest my down-sitting, mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. And he speaks of how the Lord knows what is in his mind, what is on his tongue, and the knowledge of the Lord that is so high that he cannot attain unto it. He said, wherever he goes, if he ascends into heaven, if he goes to the ends of the earth, there the Lord will be, even darkness, that will not hide from him. Even when he was in the womb and being formed, the Lord saw him and knew him there. We read that the Lord sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers before him. And Solomon said, The heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. The Lord is everywhere. He filleth all things. He is a spirit. When we see the heavens that show the glory of God and declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork, and we see how great they are, that we cannot measure the galaxies, we cannot measure the heavens, we cannot measure the stars or the sands of the sea. The Lord is so great, and yet when we come to the atoms and the smallest things, then he sees and knows all them, and he has created all of those as well. And his presence is everywhere. There is no place where we may go and escape from his presence. So then, how is it that there is the thought, there is the idea that God sometimes is not with the people, or his presence is not there? What is meant there? Well, we think of what it was before the fall, when God created man upon the face of the earth, and he saw all his creation, that it was very good. And the Lord then had communion with Adam. He walked in the garden, and Adam, he knew the Lord's presence by his voice there. There was really nothing that would separate between God and his creation. No sin as Adam was created, that creation was perfect. But then when sin entered into the world and death by sin, immediately we find the separation. God had said in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And through listening to Satan, through rebellion and disobedience to God, that sentence was executed spiritual death immediately physical death later on and then after death the judgment and then except there be a way of escape found there should be eternal death and how was that manifested well adam didn't immediately die but what was immediate was that he was frightened at the presence of the lord even at hearing his voice he had to hide. And then he was cast out of the garden of Eden, banished from that garden. And from that time, man is not able to know God of himself. He can know many wonderful things, he can do many wonderful things, but God has put this as the mark of the fall that no man of his own can find out God. God has decreed the way of knowing God is through, it has pleased God through the foolishness of preaching, it is through his spirit alone, and it is through the revelation of the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that his people are to have that fellowship and communion with God and to know him. But 
we must be very clear that the fall has brought separation. It brought banishment on earth and unless there be a way of escape, unless there be a provision, it is eternal banishment. That is what hell is. What makes heaven is the Lord's presence there and the Lord being with his people there. Father, I will that they whom thou thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. But hell is where God is not, where there is no light, where there is darkness, and the various ways that it is described as a place of torment, a place where God is not, a place where uh, there is the gnawing of tongues and conscience with pain. So when we think of the Lord's presence, filling all things, but we think of the presence of the Lord with his creation, with those made in his own image, and what sin has done to bring a bar and a separation, then we begin to see what is meant by when the Lord promises his presence and when he makes his presence known. It is through the gospel, through the reconciling work of our Lord Jesus Christ that sinners are brought again into fellowship, into union with the Lord. Very different relationship than what those that are dead in trespasses and sins have. A relationship begun on earth that shall last for eternity. You might say, well, how? How does the Lord make known his presence then? If he fills all things and God is a spirit and no man has seen God at any time and as we read here, that no man can see God's face and yet we read in the same chapter that Moses spoke to God face to face. We have a beautiful type there of the Lord Jesus Christ and being able to commune in him. But we think of those that knew the voice of God. We think of Noah. When Noah was given the command to build the ark and then especially when it was built and God said, Come thou and all that thou hast into the ark. And the Lord's voice come. The Lord was there in the ark, and he bade Noah come. And many times throughout the word of God, you have that beautiful word come. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, come thou blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely, the beautiful comes of scripture, and he is bringing sinners unto Christ. Sweet invitations to sinners unto Christ. And it is his presence No man, says our Lord, can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. And it is that drawing for the presence of God, to be with God, to know God. And so with Samuel, we read when he was a child, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the Lord then spoke to him. And at first he thought it was Eli, but then Eli discerned it was the Lord. He said to Samuel, when he comes again, say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And from that time, Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. We read that the Lord appeared again unto Samuel by the word of the Lord. It is through the word of the Lord, that the Lord appears and speaks to his people, speaks to his creation. We think of the children of Israel 
walking through the wilderness here and what is said of them by the Apostle Paul, that they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. We have the picture here with the cloudy pillar, fire by night and cloud by day, that immediately started to follow them as they left Egypt and it was then when the Egyptians followed after them It stood in between them, separated the two of them, protection for them, light to the one, darkness to the other. And then here, this cloud comes and stands over the tabernacle of the congregation. The Lord's presence was known in this way, in that that was a visible way for the people there. Later on with the sacrifices, we think of Solomon, uh, the... Uh, sacrifice, uh, the dedication of the temple uh, that was lit by fire from heaven. Before that, on Mount Moriah, uh, David, the Lord, answered him uh, with fire from heaven uh, after the numbering of the people. Elijah, the Lord, answered with fire from heaven. We have these demonstrations of the Lord's presence that could be seen and known and the people of God saw and believed. And the Lord has given the promise, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The Lord is in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, but by his Spirit, his great mystery, but by his Spirit and by his grace, he is with us. We, we, we would not separate between the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, And the Lord said that when he went away, he would pray the Father that he would give another spirit, a comforter, that abide with you forever. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. We read with the disciples that they went forth working and preaching the word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And the Lord was known in that way. God is known by the judgment that he executes and the Lord is known by his people. The disciples asked the Lord, how is it that thou would reveal thyself unto us but not unto the world? And the Lord said it was because the world could not see the Holy Spirit of God but it was because they had the Spirit revealed to them and they believed the Spirit of God, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord's presence is known by his people. They discern it, they see it, they hear his voice. My sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me. His presence in heaven, why we shall then know as we are known. The Apostle Paul desiring to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We are known now, but then we shall know him the same as he knows us here. And so right through the word of God, we have the picture of the separation that sin has made. We have God everywhere, but for his dear people, in God's plan and God's way, or in our text, thy way is to have God and sinners reconciled. Man brought to God, God brought to man, God's presence with his dear people. And so when we think of the presence of God, may it be with a personal interest in it and a personal desire so that If the Lord answers and speaks to us in the words of our text with such a promise as this, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest, that we'll immediately respond as wanting this, not just indifference or carelessness, just say, well, that's a a nice promise, a nice blessing, but say, that's just what I want. That is what I want. And if we don't have that presence, then we, 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 we would not proceed in the next week 
We would not move from one house to another. We would not go on holiday. We would not go anywhere if we did not have the Lord's presence. In our lifetime off we've moved from house to house. And it's always been a very special time when the Lord has first come and granted his felt presence and blessing in a new abode. We've got the keys, we've moved in, we've got all of our furniture in and everything. But that's a sacred time when we know the same voice, the same presence that we have known and sometimes from one side of the world to another while we're in Australia and while here the Lord is the same in both places and those have been sacred times you know the Lord's dear people we mentioned a couple of them but one special one is dear Jacob you know he left his house Esau designing his death And he goes and he lays on stones for his pillow that first night. And the Lord appears to him, gives him a vision, a vision of the ladder set up on earth, extending into heaven. The angels of God, they are ascending, descending upon him. And the Lord stood above him. And when he awakes and the Lord had given these blessed promise, Lo, I am with you with thee in all places whither thou goest I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of and that he will bring him again to that land and when he awoke he said surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not that's what he discerned from that vision and from that blessing the Lord was there he was in that place We have it with Hagar as well. Thou God seest me. As she fled from Abraham, from Sarah. May we know as well that presence of the Lord by his voice, by that which he speaks and know the difference between a presence that is everywhere but a presence that is specific and that is known by his people, desired by his people, as we have in our text, the promise and the desire for that to be fulfilled. He said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I want to look then secondly at how God is and can be present with his people. If sin has separated, if sin has caused the banishment, and if God is and he is a holy and a just and a faithful God and cannot look upon sin with out utter abhorrence, how is it that he can reverse that sentence? How is it that man can be brought at last not only to be with him, but to be partners of his throne? We need to ask how that blessing can be. How can this holy and righteous God bring this about? Well, In this passage, we have four things set before us that tell us how this can be set about. Let's put this passage a bit in context. We spoke in our first point concerning Adam and the fall when the law was first broken. Now here, the context is the law of God is first written. We read that death reigned from Adam until Moses, but where there is no law, sin is not imputed. So this is why the law was given at Mount Sinai, 
And it was given not that men should be able to fulfill it and obey it, that already under the sentence of death because it's already broken. But it is to be put that all the world might be brought in guilty before God. In the previous chapter, Moses had gone up into the mount. God had given him the two tables of the law and he'd come down from the mount and the people then had been worshipping the golden calf. Moses, in anger, he cast down the two tables of stone and broke them. It is a very vivid description of how man, how God's people have broken the law of God. The Lord was angry. The Lord said that he would not go with this people anymore. He would send an angel with them. They'd still get to Canaan. They would still drive out the inhabitants. But he would not go with them. We read that in verse uh, 2 and 3. I will send an angel before thee. Verse 3, I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Now he said of our text, when Moses heard the promise, my presence shall go with thee and I'll give thee rest, he responded with gladness to that, with, with a wanting that, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And here we have with the people of God, they respond with dismay, they said in verse 4, when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his garments. Evil tidings, that there should be a substitute for the Lord's presence. Even an angel, an angel is not good enough. An angel is no substitute for God himself. You know, those who say that the Lord Jesus Christ is not truly God would have no answer for this passage. Now, the Lord has not taken on him the nature of angels, which is just spirit. He has not taken on him the nature of beasts, which is just blood, but of the seed of Abraham, which is body and soul, body and spirit. And he truly is God manifest in the flesh, not a created angel, but God himself. John tells us in his epistles, this is the true God and eternal life. So we have the broken law, and then we have all what transpires in this chapter, and again, what happens in the next. And so there are four things in this chapter, but then there is something else that is then followed in the next chapter, and that is the writing of the tables of stone again and putting them this time in the Ark of the Covenant later when it was made. It wasn't made at this point, And... Uh, there they are, the finished tables, those tables that were fulfilled by a law. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ is to fulfill the law and make it honourable. And this is one reason why the Lord can have his presence with his people because of that which the Lord has done relative to the law of God. Fulfilling the law fulfilled the law in Christ. He was made under the law, made of a woman, to redeem them that are under the law. These are the things that are vital then that the Lord may presence himself with us. And may we be clear of this, not by our own works, not by our duties, not by our efforts. What we are reading of in this chapter is God's provision what God has done so that he may sovereignly come and walk with his people and his people with him and at last be with him for eternity. So we have in verse 7, we have a type of 
our Lord Jesus Christ in the tabernacle. Here is Moses taking this tabernacle and at this point is the tabernacle of congregation, this tabernacle where Moses met for the judgment of the people. This is the one that Moses' father-in-law Jethro saw all the people gather from morning to night queuing up to him for judgment. This is that tabernacle. It's not the one of which the pattern was given in the mount. That is not yet made. But the Lord's presence that had gone before them out of Egypt when their tabernacle was put outside of the camp and Moses went after it and he got, went into the tabernacle, then that cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Here we have the Lord's presence taken without the camp. And this then is taken up by the apostle in the Hebrews and of course it's reaffirmed in all of the sacrifices of Israel. But in Hebrews 13, and we read it in verse 11, for the bodies of those beasts which blood, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And so in Exodus 13, we read this, that they also, every man, that they looked after the tabernacle, it came to verse 7, it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Very distinct separation. Come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. A separation. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered without the gate, without the camp. Our Lord Jesus Christ is set forth before us in this respect. The vital need of him fulfilling the types and shadows, he being the great antitype, crucified without the gate, suffering without the gate, a sacrifice acceptable unto God, putting away sin by the sacrifice of himself, the debt paid. And of course we have then the assurance given unto all men in that God hath raised him from the dead, a sacrifice accepted. But then we have another time in verse 11 that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. We read that then he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, now Joshua is the name, is the same as Jesus, used interchangeably in Hebrews. The son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And then we have Moses saying, Thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, uh, thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Well, the one that is sent before the people of God and before Moses was our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was Joshua that was to bring the children of Israel into the promised land across Jordan. And so we have again this, this, this beautiful type of our Lord that he dwells in the tabernacle. He is in heaven. He is at the Father's right hand. He is there for his people. Our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Joshua here departed not out of the tabernacle. Our Lord is there appearing in the presence of God for us, a voice that speaks for us 
in heaven's high court for good. The Lord's presence where he says and prays in John 17, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And so we have the type not only of Christ suffering without the gate, but also ascending and standing at the sitting at the right hand of God, standing to receive his people as he did with Josh with, with Stephen when he was uh, martyred. But then we have another illustration of our Lord, and this is in verse twenty one. We read verse 20, Thou canst not see my face, there shall no man see me and live. The Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, thou shalt stand upon a rock. Upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not withstand against it. The Lord Jesus Christ is that rock of ages. He is the chief foundation stone he is the one upon all the building is founded upon, the foundation stone, the top stone as well, built up in him, a beautiful type of the tabernacle, the temple, literally the foundation laid, then all the stones laid in the middle, and then the top stone brought forth with crying, grace, grace unto it, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. Dear friend, now in glory, he explained to me about that. He said, you know, on the tops of those buildings, the tops on the wall, they fashioned that top stone with a lip so that when the rain came, instead of dripping and falling and running right down the wall, it had to go down that lip and then it would turn back up again so the water would have to go up but instead of going up it just dropped well clear of the wall but that thin part of the rock carving that made the water drop clear of the wall it had to be with the grain running the correct way otherwise it would just break off but what happened when it came to the corner of the wall because the corner, part of it, the grain would have to go one way and part have to go the other way. So the designers of the temple, the following the Lord's design, chose out a special stone with a grain that was so fine that it could take that lip both ways. And the builders, when they saw it, they said their grain's not running the white right way, rejected it. But that was designed to be the chief cornerstone, the top stone. And that was our Lord. And the scribes, the Pharisees, they rejected him. But we have this place by the Lord. This is a sacred thing. The Lord Jesus Christ, close unto the Father, next unto the Father, by him, and this is the rock, this is the foundation, this is the hope of the people of God. This is why he can presence himself with them, accepted in the beloved, accepted in Christ. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then we have another illustration of the reason why God can presence himself with his people, though they are sinners. And that provision is shown in verse 22. It shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. We think of the beautiful hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. The Lord Jesus Christ, with a spear they pierced his side, forthwith there came out water and blood. Not blood only, but water and blood. 
It is to atone for our sins. It is to cleanse and wash us from our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A beautiful promise. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is found in the riven side of our Lord. It is found in the clefts of his side. That blood that flowed there, that flowed at Calvary, that beautiful anti-type of what flowed, what was shared on the day that the children of Israel, the night that the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Passover, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. These are the reasons why God can be with men, why he can dwell with them in the person of his beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not in you and I, it is not in our works, it is not in what we have done, it is in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in that provision that set forth in this chapter that begins with no presence of the Lord and it ends with the presence of the Lord. It begins with the broken law. It ends with the fulfilled law. It begins with the people that are mourning over evil tidings. And then it it ends with the people that have the Lord's presence promised and with them and the firm scriptural reasons why his presence can be with them. Satan can have nothing to say against this. It is the honour and glory of God that he himself should bear the sin of many, that he himself should make a way that God and sinners be reconciled. He said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. He said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, not up hence. May that be a real desire of every pastor, of every leader of the people of God, to desire the presence with themselves, and that as they lead their people and guide their flocks, that the Lord will be with them. How vital that that is. And how vital we know how the Lord's presence is known amongst us and that we also know how it can be known amongst us. So I want to look with the Lord's help lastly at the blessing of the Lord's presence and valuing it. Where these truths that we've looked at this morning are precious to us and where the Holy Spirit does make the word of God read and preached precious, thy words were found and I did eat them, they were to the joy and rejoicing of my soul. Where we know the presence of the Lord in that way It is a token of finding grace in the sight of the Lord. This is what Moses had said. The Lord had said that he had found grace in his sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. And the Lord did. He showed him his way. Has he shown us his way? Has he shown us the way of salvation, the way of reconciliation, the way of his presence with his people? Do we know those things that we have set forth, that Christ has done to bring it about? And do we know how it is? Would we recognize his presence? Do we know and feel his absence? Do we say with one, be not silent unto me? 
Lest if thou be silent unto me, I become like them that go down into the pit. That is what is the difference, isn't it? David in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The dear disciples, when the Lord was crucified and rose again, how sad they were before they saw him. But when they saw him at last, when they were fully persuaded, they said, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Those 40 days, those 40 testing days from the time he rose to the time he ascended into heaven, he only appeared to his dear disciples. Only those that were his people saw him. Not the world at large, not those that were not his. And still it remains and still it was in Moses' day a beautiful token of finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord has shown us such things as these. Samson's parents, when they saw the Lord before he was came in the flesh, it came in a vision to them. There or in the form of an angel. Manoah said, We have seen God, and therefore will we die. But his wife said, No. No, why would he have shown us such things as these? Why at this time would he have told us such things as these if it had pleased him to kill us? Good reasoning. And so it is here. A true token. Why would the Lord make these things precious? Why would he speak to us through his word if we were not his, if we had not found grace in his sight? Another thing is that sweet communion. I trust we know what it is to feed upon the word of God, to hunger for it. Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, but to have the Lord's words found and to eat them as Jeremiah did, and then find that they were the the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So the blessing of the Lord's presence is when we feel it and have that communion and fellowship. The two on the way to Emmaus, they did not know who that stranger was at first. But when he spoke to them, they said afterwards, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and opened to us the scriptures? And may we know that same heart burning, that same blessing. Also it is a foretaste of rest. The Lord Jesus Christ is the rest of his people. All the while we are looking to salvation by works or looking to some efforts of our own. There is no rest. There is labour, there is toil. The Jews in Christ's day laden men with burdens too heavy to be borne, added to the commandments of God, made the commandments of God of none effect by their tradition. But the Lord said, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden. A clear knowledge, a receiving by faith of Christ's finished work, and then we can fully rest and trust and lean upon what he has done, not having in the back of our minds all the time, I've sinned myself out of the covenant, my works are not good enough, I'm not accepted with the Lord. One moment in, one moment out, one moment saved, one moment not. The clearer we have of the Lord's plan, ordered in all things and sure, dear David said, although my house be not so with God, Yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, and this is all my salvation and all my desire. He had a clear, clear view of it, and I hope it's so with us. I hope it's so with me and with you. A clear views of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also that earnest of rest above, a desired haven, 
we toil here, we have Satan opposing us, we have a wicked, evil, deceitful heart, we walk in the path that Paul did. The good that I would I do not, the evil that I would not that I do, a wretched man that I am. But he's able to answer that question, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. And it is he who is set forth here. And when we know this promise and we know the Lord's presence with us, when we value that, we could join with the hymn writer, I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. With another hymn writer, but can I bear the piercing thought, what if my name should be left out, when thou for them shalt call? You know, the world that knows not God, they don't have any concern they'll be left out. They don't have any concern. They won't forever see God. They don't want him here. They wouldn't enjoy him hereafter. But with God's dear people, they covet his presence here. They desire it. They look for it. They're happy in his presence. And they long thought they shall not have it. Fills them with sorrow. And they want again those fresh tokens. And again to see, see clearly what the Lord has done. Go show John again, our Lord said to the disciples of John the Baptist, when he said, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? It may be one of you this morning, and you need this. Go show John again. Go show my disciples again, my way, my plan, my beloved son, my presence the tokens of it, the earnest of him. Sometimes the Lord hides his face, but sometimes even in that hiding is a proving of what the Lord is to us. And we might say with dear Job, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even unto his seat. Or we might say with Jonah in the depths of the sea, Yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Salvation is of the Lord. And that is what is before us here. May we know the Lord's presence today in the week we've entered upon in our lives. Bless the Lord if we have known it. May we cover it earnestly and be able to read so clearly the tokens that are bound up with it and have that blessed prospect of being at last forever with the Lord. Amen.